Well, hi, church. It's amazing to be with you guys today. And today's my birthday, the 19th of December. Not today, the day I recorded. This feels a little bit like Inception, yeah? But uh, today's my birthday. And I'm 44. Ed, our youth pastor, I can hear you giving me a little tune. But uh, we just are grateful that all of you are with us today at church. For those joining us online, we trust that you are having uh, an amazing break if you are on holiday. And hopefully an incredible Christmas and New Year. But thank you for being with us today. I trust that you feel more encouraged after the service than when you came. So we are in the middle of a series called Unto Us. It's a famous scripture that is often uh, spoken about during Christmas time. We would have heard it at a million carol services. Unto us, a child is given. And the last uh, couple of weeks, we've had Colin and Adele uh, preach so powerfully into the first two concepts of the scripture. And today, I'm going to be looking at Everlasting Father. Uh, if, if you don't mind uh, joining me, just we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. If you've got your Bibles, you're welcome to open it up. Otherwise, it will be on the screen. But this is a scripture that I'm sure you've heard before. But it says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So we've looked at the first two, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Today Everlasting Father, and then our Christmas Eve and Christmas Day service, Colin is going to be looking at the Prince of Peace. Just right up front, I'm a father. Uh, I know I always get teased because I always mention the fact that I'm a father of four children, but it is a real privilege. And maybe some of you haven't seen my kids in a while, but they have really, really shot up. My son is almost as tall as me. I'm like this much taller than him. They normally come in the evening service, but for those of you who haven't seen them in a while, this is a picture of my family up on the screen. Uh, this was a picture for my daughter's grade 11 dance. It's crazy. And I can't believe that she will be in matric next year. It's I just don't know where time has gone. But those are my kids and a real blessing uh, to, to have four kids. And uh, not only a father of four children, humans, <laughs> but as you know, with a growing family, you've got to have dogs, right? We weren't really like huge dog people. I mean, I, I like dogs and I like cats. But my daughter had asked for a dog from when she was young and we kept putting off. When you eight. And then my, my wife said, okay, well, when you 10, then 10 came and we didn't have the dog. Okay, when you 12. And eventually... Because we, you know, try to be kind parents, we eventually got uh, the dog, Lacey. And then, then they said, we, we need another dog because Lacey needs a companion. So now we've got Charlie and Lacey, and you'll see a picture of them here. They're very cute. This is the look they give me whenever I leave the house. They look at me like, when are you coming home? Uh, but very cute. Lacey, uh, the, the, the girl on, in the pic there, is completely in love with me. Uh, and Charlie is in love with Jin. But anyway, I'm a father to four earthly children, but also a father to these cute little dogs. But more importantly, we have a father in heaven that is a father to all of us. Maybe you haven't understood the concept of who a father is or what a father is. Perhaps your earthly father, this side of eternity, maybe hasn't been the best example. And I'm hoping today that you would get a real revelation on who our God, God our Father is. And if you wouldn't mind, I just want to pray briefly. Father, we thank you so much that we can be in church today. We thank you for this time of year, just an amazing time to be with family and friends, but also just to celebrate you, Jesus, and why you came to this earth. And our Father in heaven who sent his son, Jesus, for us. And I pray today that as we look at the word, uh, we, we just spend a moment with you today. I pray that we'd have a revelation 
on who you are, everlasting Father. Speak through me, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Just right up front, first point really is God is our Father. If you look at Isaiah 64 verse 8, it says, Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. God is our Father. And when you look at Jesus, when he was here on this earth, he was teaching his friends, his disciples, how to pray. And in Matthew 6, 9, he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. I'm sure we've said that prayer many, many times. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And Jesus actually had a a real intimate term that he would uh, refer to his father. It wasn't father. Obviously, he spoke Aramaic and he spoke Hebrew. But a term that he used is pretty powerful. It was a a term uh, called Abba. And he would say, well, in our um, English version of the Bible, we often see Abba Father. Because that word Abba is not something that we can translate. Because we don't actually have an English translation of that word. Um, it's, it's such a special, intimate term that Jesus would refer to his father because he was one and the same, right? But that word Abba is basically daddy, but without the childlike connotation. So as an adult, you could refer to your dad. I mean, you'd probably be changed from daddy to dad at some stage, I don't know, but um, as you mature. But this term was intimate. It was, it was daddy, but without the childlike connotation. Such a special Word And I, I don't know what you have called your earthly father or perhaps um, you as a father right now, what your kids call you. Uh, recently, my, my son Jude has been calling me Pops. I don't know where he got it from, but he's like, okay, Pops, everything's Pops. Um, but it, it's pretty amusing because I don't know, he just started calling me that. But you know what's interesting? They did a study and it, it's amazing because when, when children uh, start to speak, it's amazing how... Normally, one of their first words across the world they would say is dada or papa or abba. It's, it's amazing. It's almost like God is showing our need as humans here on earth, our need for a father. And it was always a special moment when each one of our kids started to speak. And those were normally the first words, dada, mama, just incredible. And hope for you today is that as we look past even our earthly fathers and mothers, but we would look past that and see the greatest father that ever lived. And I want to touch briefly on a story today. I did actually do a series on it earlier in the year called The Prodigal God. And this story um, that we would be familiar with is titled The Prodigal Son. What's interesting is actually a story about two sons. Some uh, versions of the Bible say it's a story of a lost son. And I went into detail uh, around that story and unpacked it. But obviously what's so powerful with that story is Jesus was actually illustrating who he was as a father. And there's so much imagery in the story and who he was speaking to that he wanted to reveal to us. If we can just uh, briefly look at the story and we can see what it's mainly about. In Luke uh, 15 from verse 11, it says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said, to his father, look how, look how many times you're going to see the word father in the story. Father, give me a share of my estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off uh, for a distant country, and they squandered his wealth in, on wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. If we skip to verse 17, it says, When he came to his senses, he said, 
How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. It's amazing. I never really noticed how many times the word father appears in the scripture. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son's to his son, sorry, threw his arms around him and kissed him. And uh, verse 21 says, The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Such an incredible story. And you can see what Jesus is trying to illustrate here in the story. The idea of the father. That's, that's the main theme. And trying to show us something uh, through the story. We see the unconditional, undeserved love of this father that, is, that had lost his son to wild living and just squandered everything. And, you know, for us, when we're young, I don't know if you remember, we, especially boys, we would talk about like our fathers, like my dad's got a bigger gun than your dad, or my dad's stronger than your dad, or my dad will beat your dad up, uh, my dad's tougher than your dad. Um, I could with confidence say my dad has bigger calves than your dad. And uh, when you see my dad, Roger Gregg, ask him to show you uh, his calves. He will happily show you them, but they are definitely bigger than uh, your dad's calves. Uh, and I think it would be really strange if when we were younger, we would say things like this, my dad's more sensitive than your dad, or my dad gives better butterfly kisses than your dad. <laughs> it would just be bizarre, right? I remember my mom giving us butterfly kisses when we were in, in bed at night. Uh, my dad didn't do that. But we are we, we're so conditioned and, and we kind of understand the strength of a father um, and how a father is invincible. And I think when it comes to our relationship with our Father in heaven, I think we can really liken it to that. You know, we understand that he's powerful and he's strong. But he also has a softer side that I so often think we miss. And today I want to help us with looking at the theme of everlasting Father that we would understand his softer side today. Especially if you have been hardened through life and the cruelty of life many times and perhaps strained relationships, maybe a strained relationship even with your father. But God, our father, wants to show you something today. And I hope that you open up your heart to that. And just very quickly, and I'm not going to keep you long today. And I know because this is a pre-recorded message, it's a little challenging sometimes, even for me, talking to camera, you listening, you know, watching a screen. But just three attributes of God that I wanted to kind of reveal to you, to, to you from the story. First is we see a patient father. 2 Peter 3 verse 9 says, God is patient with you, not wanting anything to anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And you see in the story the father um, waiting for his son. You know, he had probably heard the bad report about his son, you know, messing around and, uh, you know, but he loved his son enough not to interrupt. Let his son run his course and 
on wild living. And I know that must have really hurt the father, but he was patient. He didn't intervene or even uh, come to the rescue. It's almost like the son had reached the age of accountability, needed to be responsible for his own decisions, and he waited for his son. He looked out for his son. And I love the imagery of the story where it says that he saw him from a long way off. I, I don't know how many times he went and he stood on the hill waiting for his son to come home. And almost sense for some of us today, we need to get a picture that God is, is waiting for us. He's waiting for you. Maybe you even here today in church or you watching this online and you've run away from God. And you found yourself listening to this message today. Know that God is patient and he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to respond to him. It's a beautiful, beautiful image that we see here. And you listening to this today and he knew ahead of time that you were going to be hearing this. And he's waiting for you. He is patient. And when we look at Paul in the Bible, I mean, he labeled himself the chief of sinners. I mean, this guy was killing Christians. And look at what he says here in 1 Timothy 1, 16. He says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Isn't that amazing? I mean, Paul I mean, the chief of sinners, killing Christians, and here he speaks about God's unlimited patience for him. Just amazing. And God is a patient God. He's patient enough for you and for me. So that's the first attribute. The second attribute is he's a forgiving father. If you look at Ephesians 1, uh, verse 7 to 8, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavishes on us with all wisdom and understanding. And you see in the story of the prodigal son, the son had sinned over and over again. He, he squandered the inheritance, which was actually an insult to take his inheritance early in, in those times. Uh, as I said, I spoke earlier in the year about it, and I don't have time to go into all the details again today. But he basically, to, to say I want my inheritance now was saying to the father, uh, basically, it's as good as if you were dead. And he he messes around, he drinks, he sleeps with prostitutes, and he's a complete mess. And at some stage, he decides it's time to come home. And he didn't really do too much. He just came home, and he, he spoke, you know, how he was unworthy of, of his father's love. But he probably, I don't know, we don't see the context of the full scripture. Did he really take responsibility? Did he ask for forgiveness? But you just see in the story that, he didn't really have to work for it, but the father forgave him. You know, he, he took a robe and he put it over him. And the, the symbolism of that is so powerful. You know, it's almost like you've come in dirty, you've come in a mess. And you know, sometimes when, you know, my heart really goes out when you see people that are broken and just have nothing. They really looks like their faces have worn. You know, you, you look at some people, they've been living on the streets and, you know, their clothes are torn and wrecked and they haven't been able to take care of themselves. I can almost imagine this being the picture here, but the father takes this beautiful robe and puts it over him. And he says, that's who I see. And then he says, let's kill the fattened calf. Let's have some lamb chops. Anyone like red meat here? Uh, I'm sure over this Christmas time, you're going to eat a lot of meat. But they killed the fattened calf and they have this incredible party. And you see that he is just so forgiving. A story I heard recently, um, which was so powerful, it really spoke to me. Um, a story of how this one son was dis disrespecting his mom and the father was getting really upset about this and trying to discipline the son and he just wasn't learning. 
And the one day he really disrespected his mom badly and spoke badly to the mom. And he pulled out the belt. <laughs> um, I'm not going to get into discussion whether we should smack our children or not. But when I grew up, we used to get cracked. Uh, I remember boarding school as well. We got hit with cricket bats. We got hit with all types of things. And uh, it was terrifying. I remember I hadn't done my homework. I was at Highbury and I didn't understand anything at science because I'd come from a Saudi primary. And uh, after the lesson, Mr. Nigel Harris, I don't know if you're listening to this today, he said, anyone not do their homework? And I was like, yes, me, sir. I didn't understand what was going on. I'm a farm boy, you know. So he said, oh, if you could meet me for tea after the lesson. I was like, how amazing. He's just going to show me how to do the homework. How can't? I got to the tea room in the back office there, and he said, bend over. I was like, so confused. And he hit me with a cricket bat. <laughs> and uh, that's how we learned, you know, learned tough growing up. But in the story, uh, the dad said to the son who was disrespecting his mom, you know, I'm going to belt you. And he disrespected his mom over and over again. And the one day when he pulled out the belt, he said, you know what? I'm going to ask you to do something. And he took off his shirt the father did, and he said, I want you to hit me 10 times on the back as hard as you can. And the son said, no, I can't do that. He said, that is your punishment. You're going to hit me. And he hit the dad like softly the first time because he was so nervous and scared, you know. And he said, no, no, that's not hard enough. Hit me as hard as you can 10 times. And the son just had tears streaming down his face as he hit his dad. And the dad took the punishment for the son and it taught the son a lesson that he would never, ever forget. And I suppose that's what our father did for us. He took the punishment for us because he loves us and he wants to teach us and to train us. And I love what Isaiah 43, 25 says. Ah, even I, this is God speaking, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and remembers your sin no more. Don't you love that? There's one thing that we can do that God can't do, and that is remember sin. It's incredible. He remembers our sin no more. Once we have let it go, we say, God, forgive us. He remembers it no more. And the other day I was chatting to someone in our church, just giving him some counsel, and he was just sharing some stuff with me. And I, I, help, I try to help him understand that God, this, this passage, that he remembers our sin no more. And it was amazing. Look, it's in that moment God just kind of spoke through me to him, and it really was impactful for him. And I'm going to try and illustrate it today. Uh, it's, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge to do this on, on camera. But I um, there's my notes, by the way. But I'm going to go to another, another note that I've uh, created. And you can see I've written a few sins, uh, just some common ones. Lust, anger, greed, lie, pride, gossip. And uh, what we think is when we've done any of this stuff or whatever you want to identify with, or maybe there's something else, we say, God, forgive me. And we kind of have this idea that he comes and he like crosses it out, right? So let's cross it all out. Hey, the sin is gone. But I mean, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out what is still there on the page. We, we can all see it. Even if you cross it out twice, you can still see those sins there. And that's how we sometimes view God. Like, okay, he's forgiven us, but it's there, you know? And, and often we actually the ones that uh, hold on to these things, you know, because we know what we've done. But I said to this friend when I was chatting with him, God does not do that. He takes a rubber, and I hope this works, and he rubs it out. He says that he remembers our sin 
no more. There's one thing God can't do that we can, and that is remember sin. Isn't that powerful? Gone. Clean slate. Our God is a forgiving Father. And you know what's crazy? Is we like to do this. Shake to undo. Let's see if it works. And we shake to undo. This is going to take a while to come back. But you can see how we often shake. And I'm going to... God says, no, no, it's gone. It's forgiven. Okay, let me do it again. We, we try and remember our sins. No, well, we, we try and remember our sin, but God says, I've remembered them no more. And it keeps coming back. And I really hope that that image kind of sticks with you. I love uh, analogies and pictures and stories because I think it's what we can relate to. And uh, this guy that I was chatting to and, and helping, you know, to understand this, went away completely changed because you need to understand that he wipes the slate clean for us. He remembers our sin no more. So he is a forgiving father. And then lastly, the third attribute is that he is an intimate father. Maybe you haven't experienced this with your earthly father, but he is an intimate father. Look what Luke 15, 20 says, uh, second part of the, the verse. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his sons and he threw his arms around him and kissed him. I don't know if you had an affectionate relationship with your earthly father, but you see here what God is trying to show us. He ran and he threw his arms and he kissed him. And it's a picture of God running to us. That's how he sees us. And you know what's interesting? Uh, Middle Eastern men in the times of Jesus never ran. It, it was like you just didn't do it. Also, they would wear these robes and had a slit down the robe, and, uh, which would enable them to walk. But if they ran, as you know, the, the robe would kind of flare up and his leg would be exposed. And in those times, he would have been a shame man if he showed his leg. That was, those were just the times that they lived in. And this... Father did not care. He ran to his son. And you can imagine, he was like, I don't care about my shame, but I want to see my son. And he embraces the son. He is an intimate father. You know, when I was uh, younger, and I think most kids, we feel like we have to perform uh, for our earthly parents, you know, for them to love us. You know, we have to achieve well at school. Uh, it's also the culture and, you know, the pattern that this world sets. You know, it's all about achievement and, you know, do well at sports, even though, wasn't their intention but I think sometimes as kids we, we feel that and you, you slowly have to teach and train your kids that it doesn't matter what you do um, there's nothing you can do that can make me love you more and you know as I had my I've had my own kids I started to understand this more and more and it's helped my relationship with God so much because so often we can have this view of God that we have to do things to earn his love and acceptance and and, and we don't the Bible clearly says, it says, uh, it's by God's grace that we've been saved. It says that we are saved for good works. It's not by the good works. It's not by the good things that we do that we are loved. He loves us. And because he loves us and saves us by grace, we can be who he's called us to be. And God is crazy about us. He loves us so much. Um, Luke 11, verse 11, it's just such a beautiful passage that helps us understand how much the Father loves us. It says, you fathers... If your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Like, why would you do that? You know, why would you shock or put fear into your kids if they're just asking for a meal? Ask for fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Or 
He says, of course not. So if you sinful people, us as humans who are sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, your earthly children, how much more? I love that line. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? He loves us so much. He wants us to experience Him, experience the Spirit of God living in and through, the, through us. How much more will He give good gifts for His children? And I want to close uh, this message today with a bit of a personal story. I debated whether I should tell it or not. I, I did post a little bit about it um, because some people had found out uh, about the story and uh, it's just important to clarify. But um, I had the privilege of going to a really incredible school, uh, high school growing up, and my dad went to the same school, my cousins did, my uh, brother did, and uh, I really wanted my son to go to this particular school. But it was a bit of a long shot because of the cost and also in 2017, 2018, we weren't sure if we were going to still be here in South Africa. As some of you know, the journey, we were potentially moving over to the U.S. And we, we kind of missed a bit of the boat when it came to applications and all that. And uh, Jude uh, ended up going to another school, which, which was a great school. And we had a relationship with the school, and it was all amazing. Um, but as he's progressed over his high school career, you know, he he'd always spoke about a longing to go to this particular high school that I had gone to. And... It was a bit of a challenge for me as a father because, you know, I couldn't afford it. It, it is one of the most expensive schools uh, in South Africa. And it also, there wasn't a place available. Um, the, the waiting list is huge. And we had knocked on the door a little bit to try and see if we could get some funding, and it just didn't work out. And in hindsight, it's amazing how God's timing works because if he had been there the last two years, I, I think, <laughs> to be honest, he has had a full experience of what that school would have had to offer. Anyway, the beginning of this year, uh, as you know, we had a believe wall. Uh, for those of you maybe not part of our church, we have a wall uh, at the back in our foyer, and you, people could go write what they believe God can do for you. And it can be anything, because the Bible says, if you ask for anything in my name, I'll do it. And sometimes it feels selfish to ask for small things, but God loves us so much. He's our Father. We can ask Him for anything. And people have put things on the wall, and there's a little checkbox and when God answers that prayer, and hopefully he does, we can come and check that box. And it's been amazing, by the way, just to see some of those boxes being checked throughout the year. So I wrote things that I was believing God for, uh, and so did my kids. And I, I didn't know what they wrote. It was kind of lost in the graphic of the wall, and there's a picture of what that wall uh, looks like. And it's, it's amazing to see. And if you haven't had a chance, you can still go right on that wall. And we uh, we're thinking of leaving that wall for, for another year as well. We won't paint over it just yet because we believe like God can still do some of those miracles and why should we limit him to a year anyway? But someone had pointed out to me that my son had written uh, something on the wall. And uh, they came and they showed me and this is a picture of it here. Uh, so now maybe you recognize the school's name. And I was like, man, that's, that's what he's believing God for. Now as a earthly father I was like wouldn't that be amazing like if he could check that box but it was such a distant kind of dream really uh, a third generation dream and I was like uh, well I, I don't know I mean I there's no no plan that I can kind of make but when I saw that on the wall as an earthly father I was like I need to do what I can because I love my son so I started knocking on the door again at the school there and just trying all sorts of options. We can't push doors open, but we can certainly knock and check those doors. And I think God will open them at the right time. 
So I had some conversations again and, uh, you know, put him on the waiting list again, potentially for grade nine, which was this past year, and that didn't happen. And maybe then for grade 10, which would be his standard eight, nine, and matric year. And that would be the last time he could actually go to the school because that's when they uh, kind of accept the last batch of people. And anyway, you know, we just gave it over to God and just said, God, like, if this is your will, let it happen. Also, my wife, to be honest, didn't want to let him go to boarding school. Uh, but it's been amazing how much he's matured in the last two years. And we didn't feel he was ready last year, but maybe potentially for next year he would. Anyway, um, and this story is all glory to God, really. And maybe some of you listening to this might think, oh, that's just ridiculous. How can you believe, you know, for your son to go to Hilton College? I mean, you know, don't you know there's people starving and, you know, uh, so, so that's why I share the story with a bit of reservation, but it's to our church family, I think, who would understand the story. And I didn't even post it because I've got a lot of friends that don't know God. And if I'd put that up there, I believe God can. And I know that we need to give testimony and glory to God, but I just think sometimes that can cause some unnecessary... Uh, criticism and discussion. Um, also, people don't understand the context of the story and how it came about. But it's with absolute joy and gratitude and gratefulness um, that, first of all, um, we needed two prayers to be answered, that a place would open for him in his year, and a place open for him, and it's the same house that my brother was part, part of, not unfortunately the house that I was in, but it had to uh, you know, just we had to take whatever we could get, but a place open for him for grade 10 next year. So we're like, that's amazing, God. Now we need some funding to come through, and it's a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, we're just so grateful uh, for two uh, people that have been just incredible blessing in our life. Um, prefer not to, to name them, but have made it possible for him to go next year, which is just, it's a blessing. I mean... I can't do it on my own, you know, as an earthly father, I wanted to, but someone else has stepped in and it's only through the generosity that God has shown them and the blessing that God has given them that they were able to give my son this blessing. And the word of God says, how much more? And you got to know today that God can do miracles in your own life. It doesn't have to be what we think or what we try and make happen on our own, but God made a way for my son to go to Hilton College next year, which is just incredible. And he was able to check that box, and it was a blessing to be there as he checked that box. And there's a picture of him doing that. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went and also tried on his school uniforms, and it was a privilege to be there with him and put on his school tie and to take a photo with him. And, and we're so excited that he's able to go there next year. And for, for us as a family, it's been a real testimony of God's goodness and his faithfulness. He's an everlasting father and that he would even, as a loving father, make a way where there seemed to be no way. And um, I just know that God can do anything and he can do that for your life because he loves and he cares for you. And um, maybe you've been disappointed by an earthly father, but just know that our Father in heaven, is an, he's an everlasting Father. He will never fail us. He will never leave us. He is always faithful. And maybe you've been let down. But our Father in heaven will never, never let us down. And he's speaking to you today through me to say you have no idea how much he loves you. You have no idea how much he's already done for you and how much he wants to do for you. And he loves you 
so much. John 3, 1 says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is who you are. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. How much more? How much more? And um, as I kind of wrap this message up today, as we are celebrating a week before Christmas, Jesus coming to this earth, God our Father, everlasting Father sending His Son. And I hope more than ever before, after the crazy couple years we've had, that you would understand the love of the Father. And, and I hope and I pray even through this time would be a special time for you and your friends and your families together. And um, for me, to you, God bless you guys. Have an incredible Christmas. Have an amazing New Year. And again, I hope you feel encouraged by this message today of our everlasting Father. I'm going to hand over to Cole now and he's going to come and just pray and wrap up the service. God bless everybody. Cheers.